Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show. Um, Knicks win one twelve to one hundred eight in some pretty high pressure moments, which probably shouldn't have been the case. But you know they win the game. Um, fourth straight win, first win in Toronto since 2015. It's been a while. It's been a long eight years since we've won in Toronto, but we finally did it. Um, Thibs gets his 100th win as a Knicks coach. And, you know, vibes are starting to, you know, get on the up and up. I am Sam. I'm joined by Jeff and Tyrese. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with that fourth quarter. Um, that's really where the Knicks, like they, it seemed that they were going to cruise to another like win. Um, Deuce hits like a couple of threes really gets the team, you know, gives the team some breathing room and you're like, all right, we're going to cruise to a win. You know, it was like, what? 108 to like. 97 or something they were up 11 at one point now they were they were, they were actually up 16 at one point uh we were up 105 105 89 with a little bit under four minutes left and then yes there we go somebody, yeah. somebody missed a three mitch got the offensive rebound quickly got it on the move with like 12 seconds on the shot clock he missed an open three they went down gary trent jr got fouled and hit three free throws that was the peak of the game right there it was six, ah, right, right, right. Up, yep. up 16 and then there was a big six point swing that started the downfall yeah then randall had the bad pass and then fred van vliet hit the three and it's a 10 point game and that's when i was like all right yeah this is i tweet i literally tweeted out all right some bs is about to happen and then lo and behold they start hitting like every imaginable, unimaginable shot that you can imagine. Um, and like, we start like fumbling the ball in the backcourt. It's just like every type of BS that you can envision happening to the Knicks in that moment, it happens. And I'm like so tired of this happening to us. Like, it feels like only shit like this happens to us. Like, I know I saw the cap, the Cavs the other day pull off some like miracle versus the Bulls to get to overtime. But I feel like, Stuff like this continuously happens to us too frequently, like way too frequently. Um, and like maybe it's a it's a it's a it's a symptom of the way that we play at the end of games, how we slow down the pace to an excruciatingly like dead pace. Um, and like maybe it could be like, you know, the type of offense that we run. I don't know what it is, but like we absolutely have the worst type of luck in these situations. I think that uh, we as fans can overgeneralize and try to just throw one blanket explanation for why things happen. Um, I mean, we were here after every game last season and we talked about, you know, the stagnancy of the offense, the over-reliance on Julius Isos and and running the offense through Alec Burks. Um, And I'm not saying there isn't room to improve there this season. Actually, it's pretty much the same thing, except for we're running it through Brunson and Randall instead of Burks and Randall. So, like, yeah, we have better players in charge, but it's still a lot of the same stagnance. But let's be honest. I mean, we didn't lose this game, but 
if you include the Mavericks and the Bulls game, it's just been a lot of bullshit at the end of these games. A lot of stuff that just like you can't even break down from a rational X's and O's standpoints. Like, you know, they had three threes in the last two minutes that are just like that were just total chucks that just they, they don't have to go in. And if they don't go in, the game's over. That Gary Trent Jr. went over quickly, especially it was just like a heave that just like he misses that the game's over. But instead he makes it. And I mean, we, we can't we can't keep talking about like the stagnance because we can only call for tips to run some offense so many times, you know, like you just got to hope the players make better decisions down the stretch. And I actually thought we saw some of that. And not surprisingly, I thought a lot of it correlated with when the offense ran through quickly. Um, that three. I mean, some people didn't. I, I saw some people talking about how they didn't like the three. I bet it was a good shot from like a win percentage standpoint. Like you attempting a three with 12 seconds left on the shot clock and open three versus getting burning 12 seconds. It's at least close, but like the possessions that he dictated that he initiated, he really just, his feel for the game has just gotten so much better. So early in, in the fourth quarter, when he was running the show and Mitch was screening for him, they were blitzing. Like they blitzed RJ. If you guys remember that Um, at the end of the first Raptors game, they started they they or excuse me at the end of the Bulls game when RJ had it going they started blitzing RJ when Mitch mm-hmm. was for him and they were doing that to quickly and they trapped him a couple times and quickly started seeing that coming and whenever Van Vliet would turn around to see when the screen was coming quick quickly would just go and wrong foot him and he really started creating advantages where there weren't supposed to be any. And yeah, I, I thought our offense actually moved the ball as good as I've seen it down the stretch for the most part, especially when quickly ran the show. I don't know what you guys thought, but this is my long winded way of saying I talk too much, but this is my long winded way of saying if we lost this game tonight, I wouldn't have even blamed like the stagnance or anything. It was just a bunch of horseshit, like with the refs and with the stupid shots that went in for the Raptors. I don't know. I know that's not the most exciting analysis, but that's my take on the end of the game. Yeah, I thought the end of the game was um, definitely a lot of horseshit towards the end, a lot of malarkey, tomfoolery, if you want to call it that. Um, I quickly processing down the stretch was huge. Um, I just kind of felt like he fits that lineup in a way that like nobody else in his team can because his process is, is so skilled and the fact that he's able to do things with the ball in his hands and he's willing to take the shots that, like, a Deuce might not take or a Grise might not take. Like, he helped that lineup a ton, and his ability to process and essentially win us the game down the stretch because he built up that lead. His process did build up that lead, and if they didn't build up that lead, they would have lost this game. So, Tyrese, we're like, we're like one more game, one more good Randall, good IQ performance away from you just going fully overboard and all NBA Randall appearing and... RJ being the sixth man and IQ being four. I already said it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I already said it on Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like right there. We're like right there at the edge where it's like, oh, the lineup plays better without RJ in it. If Brunson is healthy and IQ is healthy and Randall's healthy with Grimes and Mitch, the lineup plays better. I would like to see the numbers on that. I would absolutely like to see the numbers on that first, but like, from a processing standpoint, I feel like the lineup plays better, and it's not like they're missing um, artist production because quickly stepped in really well as a starter. I think he's put up like 18, 19 on like 56 true shooting, 57 true shooting as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so like 
Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not it's it's not the starting lineup. <laughs> okay. It's just the team because and I think that's where, you know, even with Obi, like people say like, oh, Randall stepped up. So like they're not really missing Obi. But like, yeah, they are because. Obi's minutes are being replaced by Jericho Sims at the yeah, four. Like, and so even if you can say, well, quickly is doing an admirable, jo- admirable job stepping in for RJ, how much do we really miss him? It's not really quickly versus RJ. That should be the discussion. It's RJ versus Fournier because the minutes that like Fournier and to somewhat, some degree Deuce who played really well tonight, the two of them are getting RJ is just going to soak up when he comes back. And that's the big difference. Um, and then one response to what you said about, you know, is the starting lineup better with quickly or excuse me, worse without worse with RJ. I'm not sure it's RJ or, as much as it's just quickly. Like I would bet if we replace Grimes with quickly and put RJ in at small forward, we'd be like, Oh, should quickly be the starting shooting guard. Like I think quickly is just a really good basketball player. That's true. Yeah. He's very versatile to the point where like you can slot him in at any spot and like, there's a debate like, oh, should he be starting over this guy? Because like, things just like flow way differently with him in 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 that lead ball handler role as well as just like when he's on the court in general. Um, it just it just all this does though is it, it's it's gonna eventually have to force Thibs to you know expand his role even coming off the bench, which we are like very discouraged of him doing because like he hasn't shown any evidence of that. But I mean like. He he's basically he would basically be a super six man on like any other team where like he's the he's the guy coming off the bench, but like he's like he's playing like starter minutes or like he's playing close to starter minutes. Like, he's he's Tyler Hero, essentially. Where, basically. Like, Tyler, like he played Tyler Hero still plays like 33 minutes a game and he's essentially coming from the bench like last year. Yeah. So yeah, like he's the super sub. And uh and uh just you know, one last thing on quickly, I guess that's where we're starting to toot his horn a bit more. You could make the argument that when he checked in with five seconds left in the third quarter through when Toronto called a timeout when we went up 11 with like uh, eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, that was the biggest three-minute stretch of the game. Like we – Toronto had cut it from 17 to tying the game, and then when quickly checked back in, we were up one with five seconds left, and Hartenstein was in at power forward next to another big. Randall was on the bench. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the vibes were low for me. I was just like, oh, this is another loss to Toronto. This team is so annoying. And quickly pretty much single-handedly drove the lead from a 1 to 11. He had a six-point stretch on his own. He, with no with no, with no no help, like, it's, it's my biggest complaint about this stretch has been I don't get why Deuce and Quickly are the ones who are thrown into the fire next to the Hartenstein Simpson front court. They, they're already at a disadvantage as initiators because they're just not <laughs> – right now more so deuce than quickly but they already struggle even with surrounded by good players so now you're saying okay you're gonna play with guys that the defense has no respect for they're not gonna even like care about good luck and like what does tibbs expect it to look like most of the time like of course it's gonna look rough and lousy and i don't i just don't get it but tonight he handled it well and we took the lead from one to 11 and in my opinion that was arguably the most important stretch of the game yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, I guess we can go through the box score real quick. Um, you know, Randall led the way, started things off with an insane first quarter. I mean, that was probably one of the most insane quarters I've seen by Nick in a very long time. Um, what was it like nineteen points on like five of six from three or some something like that? 
Um, at, at one point, he, it looked like he had um, tied the Knicks record for most um, threes in a quarter, um, but they took back one of the threes, but he finished with 32, 11, and three. Um, it was funny. There was a tweet that was going around. Um, there was a couple of tweets. Um, someone had tweeted that like, oh, if Julius Randle drops 50, like they're going to like switch. They're going to switch watching sports to, like badminton or something. And like everyone was retweeting it in like the first quarter because like Julius was going crazy. And like he looked like he was on pace for like a 50 ball at, 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 in that first quarter. I mean, he had basically like, what 20 in the first quarter almost. But like things slowed down, um, you know, as, you know, JB and, you know, other guys started getting going. So he, he finished with 32, 11 and, and three on 10 and 22 from the field. Um, hit six threes. So, you know, pr- pretty great performance from him. Um, once again, you know, he's continuing to, you know, um, be consistent with drop on with, with the scoring. Um, but yeah, he, he, he led the team in scoring tonight. And then you had JB with 26, um, five and eight. Um, JB really, you know, picked things up in that fourth quarter, especially getting that key and one, um, down the stretch, um, that really helped like ease my nerves at the very least. Cause like once he got the and one, I was like, Whew, all right, now let's hit the free throw. Let's hit the free throw because he was in his head even earlier today with the with the take, take foul free yeah. throw. Like he missed it and like he looked pissed once again. And I was like, oh, he's still in his head about the free throws. But he ended he ended the game finishing. Oh, I think he had like the rest of his free throws for the rest of the game, basically. No, he missed another one. He missed another one? Okay, but yeah, after that, he was like five or seven. So, I mean, like, pretty good recovery on the free throws from him today. But, you know, you know the two the two leading guys today were, you know, Randall and, and Brunson. How, how do we feel about the, their performances today? I, I, th- I think the thing that I like the most about Randall, and I'm going to be real quick here because he's Tyrese's guy, so I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. I mean, I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to rein it in at all. But you're just not seeing – not only are you not seeing the really bad defensive possessions as much anymore, there was one or two tonight where he just got lost, but I mean, whatever, that's going to happen. You're actually seeing him go above and beyond to like make help plays. And like, sometimes his energy isn't always uh, pointed in the right direction, but whatever, like we'll sign for an engaged energetic Julius who's looking for ways to help outside of his primary assignment any day of the week, like sign me up for that right now. And he, I mean, he tried to help, uh, he tried to help on another chase down block. He missed it this time, but I, I mean, the effort was appreciated nonetheless. Um, didn't don't, I, I mean, I know he had a shot going, but like, you know, from a purely rational standpoint, like how many of his threes were like great shots. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to judge that because I don't know what it's like to be an NBA player in the zone. There were bad shots. There were bad right. shots, but when you're in the zone, when you're in yeah. the zone, it's kind of like excusable. Like I was like, yeah. I was like sort of in awe in like, like every other shot after was like even more difficult than the neck than the last one. And he just kept hitting them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he slowed down after, um, after that first quarter. Um, I think like, I think the Raptors game plan, not only, not only that, but like just him just naturally like settling into the, like the game itself, like just he cooled him off, but, but yeah, like those, those are bad shots, but like when you're and, and, and not to, you know, make, not, not to like make excuses, but the Raptors pretty much have 
their strategy is pretty much the refs won't call fouls every time down. So we're going to get into you every time. Like Fred Van Vliet should, if this was like a preseason game, would have had 13 fouls on, on Randall alone. He was just basically. He's a hack. They're all hacks. They're right. all hacks. And Randall is so strong. He makes that contact look normal. He's not, you know, a 6'11", 110 pound walking flail like like Siakam, who just, you know, gets a foul every time he's blown on. Um, and so, I mean, Randall, you know, there's some excuse to be made. I just want to say the thing that bothers me the most and the things that the thing that the Rap- Raptors capitalize the most on is Randall is still such a slow processor that when he turns his back to the basket, like late in the shot clock, it's like he doesn't have a plan at all. And the Raptors just like sent these doubles and mm-hmm. we had multiple shot clock violations because Randall just pretty much stopped paying it. Like not, not wasn't paying attention, but just like he didn't process what the plan was fast enough. So I, I hope that improves uh, as we go on and his decision-making gets a little quicker. I think it's all a matter yeah. of like scheme with that too. Because, like, I feel like the way that we set him up, it's very easy for him to get trapped like that. Like, he he's basically surrounded on all sides. He has two defenders, and he has the baseline, and he has the sideline. Like, like he has nowhere to go when he's doubled in those situations, which, you know, is a result of us, like, posting him up constantly and trying to get him those um, mid-ISO um, baskets so often, too. So And, like, the Raptors are great at generating steals, so... Like the passes that you would normally see that um him make out of like double teams like that, they weren't available because like even when Grimes relocates someone like Gary Trent Jr. is playing free safety and he's basically like roaming around the baseline or like OG Ananobi's there and he has a long wingspan and he can like interrupt passes as well. So the Raptors are just a really bad matchup for us defensively because I feel like their length on defense just makes a lot of our actions harder. And they're able to bother Randall and bother Brunson in ways that a lot of teams can't. Um but like you said, like that would probably one of the five greatest heat checks I've ever watched, uh, from a Nick. Because it just it was all of them were step backs. Like all of them were step backs, and he was throwing them up and they were still going in. I've never seen that before where like he was literally looking for fouls on some of them and they were going in. Yeah. So once that happens, then like the green light is massive and you can't stop whatever happens afterwards. Like it's just going to be there. Like you have to live with that green light. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really strong game. I think, I think he's been playing at all NBA level right now. Like I think right now with Zion being hurt, um, AD being hurt, I think you have, a, there's a strong case for him to be like a top five power forward right now. Um, I mean, I think at this point, we've ended the all-star conversation. I think he's going to get in. Like, there's no way he isn't. Um, and, yeah, like, it's 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 a credit to him to be able to reinvent his game again after reinventing it last year, after reinventing it the year before. And he's been able to put in a position where, like, he's basically a 60-true shooting, 25-10 guy every night. And... By hook or by crook, that's a very, very good thing to be in the NBA, given how much we value efficiency and how much we need his scoring. And he's doing it with the minutes load that not a lot of guys play either. So uh, credit to him. I think he's been on a great run. Uh, And yeah, I was right. Everybody can suck it. I was right. (laughs) 
they they said I was lying, and they said they should trade him for a bag of beans and protected picks. And I told y'all, I told y'all hold the stock. I said hold. <laughs> I treated it like GameStop. Buy the dip. I, I mean, we we have reached that time. You, you can tell with Randall tonight. You have we have reached that time where Randall's gonna start taking any matchup with someone who's considered an all star over him personally. Yep. Like I don't know if you guys remember that in 2020, 2021, but like every time there was a guy that Randall was like in Randall's tier, like Sabonis, he would he he would just be like, all right, I'm going crazy tonight. Like they, this guy ain't better than me. I feel like he, he did that to Siakam tonight and. I know they're not a direct matchup, but I'm very interested to see the Halliburton-Randall matchup because I feel like they're both going to go into it with a chip on their shoulder. Um, credit to the Knicks defense today for, you know, the way they um, limited Siakam after, like, he completely, like, absolutely abused us um, in MSG. So, you know, for us to go into his house and shut him down, basically, was, was great. Um, great revenge by the Knicks there. Something that subtly will like go under the radar i think yeah because you know everyone will talk about the the near collapse but i think the way that we played siakam um was pretty good not just pretty good really good he was really? he was what like four for 15 from the field like yeah he doesn't get he, if he's not you know getting all those foul calls that they don't seem to call for anybody else i mean this is one of his worst games of the season yeah um, easily and it was a really a team effort like there you like a lot of times you can be like, oh, like Grimes just put on an island versus him or, you know, Mitch had to guard Embiid. But like I can think back to times when quickly Grimes, all the like Mitch, Randall, all, all four of the, the, those being the four main guys all had, you know, took their turns and, and just did a really good job contesting him. Yeah. Yeah, I've been liking to see a lot. Of, the team defense has been really strong lately. I feel like a lot of guys are helping out, and the energy has been infectious, especially the defensive end. Um, yeah, it's just been really good to see like this team play defense with a chip on their shoulder the way they did in 2020, 2021. And I like, I don't, it just feels good when the Knicks play defense. I think more than other teams, the Knicks playing defense just feels like a representation of like what the team is about. You know, like gritty. They play physical. They play tough. And like you hear a lot of coaches say that how they play physical and tough and like how they beat us up on the boards and stuff. And I feel like this team is starting to embrace that identity. And the offense is now like firing as well. So top 10 offense, top 10 defense, top 10 net rating. Like at this point, you're basically seeing this is a good team that needs a little bit of help closing because they're still young. Mind you, because every aside from Brunson and Randall, everybody else is 25 and younger. But yeah, this is a good team with a good identity, and they're playing good basketball. Top 10 offense, too. Yeah, top 10 offense, top 10 defense, top 10 in rating. <laughs> Interestingly enough, they're they're I think they're ninth in all. I just checked. I think I think they're across the board ninth. Ninth, <laughs> ninth, ninth, ninth in offense, ninth in defense. Oh, eighth, eighth in net, net rating. So ah, ninth, there ninth, we ninth, go. Ninth. It's pretty sick though. I mean, I was I was saying on Twitter earlier today, like having a good defense is standard tips, but having a good offense is really, really important because it sort of allows Tibbs to like, okay, I don't have to do anything against about the offense. And if we play someone, he can build a defensive scheme and elevate the defense. You know, like if, if, if you, if you're going to have Tibbs be your head coach, you sort of want the team to be able to perform offensively outside of his limitations and just let him hone in on the defense. Yeah. <laughs> oh 
gosh. Um, all right. Before we get into comments, it's time for everyone's favorite part of these shows. Um, all right. Here we go. NBA season is heating up. Um, when I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Oh, man. Another bet came down to one leg today. Don't be like me, folks. What was it? Um, so I had a 5-4-3-2 parlay of Julius, five threes, okay. um, Quinton, four threes, uh, Emmanuel okay. Quickly, three threes, nope. and Jalen Brunson, two threes. Everything hit but Emmanuel Quickly. If I had just swapped him out for Deuce, it would have hit, surprisingly enough. They didn't want you to get money. No, they did not. Vegas made the call to Emmanuel quickly after he's been lighting it up lately. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, don't be like me, folks. But um, download the app I now. Can't believe, I can't believe, Sam, you still bet after that Jalen Duren bet. Like, I would just – that would have been it for me. Yeah. I would, I would, I would have just retired. Um, he was retired. He came back. <laughs> yeah, I was retired. This is your Jordan 45. This is not going for <laughs> Yeah, I retired. I, I came back though. Not for, no, 45 is pushing. This is your Wizards. No. This is your Wizards, bro. Oh. I'm I'm trying I'm getting my lick back, man. I'm getting my <laughs> lick back. One way or another, I'm getting it back. What's the number we gotta call? Anyways. <laughs> Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligible restrictions apply. See show notes or show description for details. All right, enough about my gambling. Let's talk about the Knicks and how they won this game. Um... Chris Bernhardt says Raptors play defense like four-year-olds at the park, just slapping and throwing elbows at you. That's a great, that's a great like comparison. They definitely play like that. Um, the defense that Fred Van Vliet is allowed to get away with is just absolutely insane to me. And I think it's too. it's because he's short. The refs have sympathy with for him. But and like, everybody's in on it. Wally was praising him tonight. Wally was like, oh, look at how strong and his strong and stout defenders. Like, Damn. no, he's like slapping our players. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, just like the way they play is so like you can tell it's a lot of just them being tall. They don't look all long and like annoying and slapping you. And like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell had the perfect, like, explanation for, like, when he played against them. Like, he had a quote after the game, and, like, everybody was quoting it. Like, yeah, everybody hates playing against the Raptors. They're mad annoying. Yeah, like, it's just weight in the water ball. And it's just dudes who are just going to come out of nowhere and slap you and take you to the gutter. Like, it's it's not fun to play against defensively, but the problem is their offense stinks as well, so you're just like... You just gotta outshoot them, basically. Like you gotta just pray that you outshoot them because it's like. I mean, it helps when like all their dudes are playing like forty-five minutes a night because. Yeah, they're all gassed. 
Because Nick Nurse is like you thought Tibbs was bad with the minutes distribution. Nick Nurse is actually committing war crimes. I mean, they calling for him to get fired, so you know it, yeah, that's how you know it's really bad. Nick, they're calling for Nick Nurse to get fired. Like, the guy used to be their lord and savior. First of all, that's going to be ridiculous because like they're not getting rid of Nick Nurse. Like, but. Yeah, man, the minutes are wild, but like their bench stinks, so I don't even know where the minutes are supposed to be coming from. Like Malachi Flynn, they played Thaddeus Young, and Thaddeus Young literally did nothing for them. So did Precious Achua. I mean, he elbowed hard inside in the face, he did something, <laughs> didn't even knock him down. Who cares? It's insane. I, I will say though, regarding um, Chris's comment, I do wish that the Knicks, the, the Raptors, like. <laughs> Their main parlay is they're they're basically parlaying the fact that refs can only call so many fouls. Like everyone knows that the refs aren't trying to ruin the games. Well, not trying, they do sometimes, but um, they're not just gonna like foul out a whole team. There's only so many fouls they're gonna call, and I sort of wish that the Knicks would be more strategic sometimes. Like when Julius Randle, you know has a matchup like the the other team's best player is in his matchup range especially when it's someone who draws a lot of fouls there's merit to just putting randall on him because the refs aren't gonna call fouls on randall the way they do like you see it with the really on the line calls they'll call it on quickly they'll call quickly for a carry they'll call quickly for that little shuffle catch catch and shuffle travel but they'll never call it on a star and randall like him or love him or don't like him he's you know the closest thing we have to a star right now and i think that we should capitalize on that with who we match him up for sometimes at least okay to correct that he is a star like he's a star (laughs) if you make the all-star team likely two times in three years you're a star fair enough I'm, i'm sorry for insulting your 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 guy, Tyrese. His Lord and Savior. The shrine is up for a reason, damn it. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to another comment. Hug Life says Scotty Barnes is glorified Jared Jeffries. <laughs> Man, the Jesus. fall the fall from grace from Scotty Barnes is one to be duly noted. I know he's in his second year, but I mean to go from that rookie of the year to like looking like hey, how he does in this year. It's kind of rough. Mitchell Robinson took something personal against the Scotty Barnes because Mitchell Robinson literally just swatches shit so many times a game. Like I like he probably swatted Scotty's ball, ball like five times and then just didn't call it blocks. Like he was. <laughs> well, I mean, just, he, got, he got fouled out today because you know, know some of those weren't fouls. They were, but like Scotty Barnes was just getting demolished on both ends. Or like he couldn't score against Mitchell, and then Mitchell would just come back to the other end and dunk it. Like, what did Scotty Barnes do to Mitchell Robinson? I'm not sure, but... <sighs> and also, what was he doing that final possession? There's no way Nurse wanted him to do that. Like, go inside the arc. Taking it to it all was moronic. And he missed. Yeah. And he missed the follow-up. I... It's bad, man. It, it's bad. He's, he's, had a, he's had a rough second year. Like, there's, there's sophomore slumps, and then there's whatever Scotty Barnes is going through. It's bad yeah he he does not want to shoot that like i've never seen somebody go from rookie of the year to not want to shoot it look it's ben simmons-esque but he just does not want the ball i think he only took like 
I wonder, I don't even know how many shots he took, but like how many of those shots were like straight up. Like, yeah, he took 10 shots tonight. Syndrome. And like a lot of those 10 shots came in the fourth quarter when they were trying to come back. It's that jumbo guard syndrome. And like some of them think he's a point guard. It's, what? Let him keep thinking that. If they're like he's a point guard, he's a center. I don't I I don't know what he is, but I know right now he isn't good. It's it's surprising to me they don't run more through Van Vliet. Um, at least based on this game. They I mean, they the, if they ran like some sort of motion offense. There, there is something there to their sort of wing-heavy unit because in a vacuum, OG, Siakam, Van Vliet, Trent, and it, I mean, if Barnes last year is the true version of him and this is just slump, that's five good players. Like, this should work on some level, and they shouldn't be what they are now. I don't care if they don't have a bench. Um, the, the, this team should be better. And so I understand Raptors fans' frustration with Nurse if they think his offense isn't, you know, geared in the right direction or if it's not creative enough. I don't know what their critiques are of him, but I I get it. If I was a Raptors fan and these guys were on my team, I would, I would expect them to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And just, someone's house is burning on your block? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> the free man here is just wild. You just hear stuff. But, yeah, I just – they look so – lost offensively and they should not be lost given their personnel like Gary Trent Jr. is a legitimately good player also I don't know what they're gonna do with Gary Trent Jr. like I feel like they might trade him because he has the team option he has the player option this coming offseason and I, I I mean like he's not a shooter he's not like a passer or like somebody who really plays like significant defense but like he's just a shooter he, yeah he's just a shooter like so do they are they just gonna trade everyone though like i uh, couldn't you see Masai doing that like first of all Masai seems like one of those guys who like played a lot of madden growing up and like enjoyed building the franchise more than having it you know so, like, I, I, I could see i could see Masai like enjoy like just being like all right let's start over let's see what i can do with scotty barnes and a bunch of draft picks let's let's go that route um i could definitely so, see that yeah, yeah. I mean, but but also Siakam and Van Vliet, they're they're both close to thirty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Van Vliet. I think Siakam is twenty nine, and uh, Van Vliet might be twenty nine as well. The, to I mean, this is a Knicks post game, so let's veer it back to that. That is the most underrated part about what the Knicks are doing right now. Is that aside from Randall and Brunson, mm-hmm. like everyone is twenty three and under. This isn't supposed to be a team that's, like, legitimately contending. And obviously, we don't think this team is, like, contending at the highest level, or at least I don't. I don't think you guys do either. But what they're doing is impressive. This isn't, like, if this was another team, if you you just put the Oklahoma City Thunder with this roster and this success, this would be, like, the success story of the season, in my opinion. You've got an average roster of under 24 years old, and they're top 10 in all the advanced stats on both sides of the ball. This is a good team. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think, I think we as Knicks fans, like, not that we shouldn't have complaints, but, or, you know, should just be perfectly content, but I just think we should be really happy. Should feel vindicated. But, but have you ever considered the fact that Jalen Brunson won't lead us to the NBA finals, which means that this team sucks and should blow up everything? Why are we not trading everybody for two draft picks? I actually, I had a pretty interesting conversation with my dad last night. I was talking to him about, 
I think Brunson, I, I don't think he can be the best player on a championship team, but would you say we all agree that he can be the starting point guard on a, on a championship team? Of course. Yeah. So, and then would you guys agree that Quentin Grimes is about as ideal a fit at shooting guard as it gets next to Jalen Brunson? Yes. So what is the next step? Like, because I don't think we're getting rid of Randall. I think Mitch is like rounding into becoming a good fit next to Randall. And so is our next step basically betting if RJ makes a leap or not. And if he doesn't make a leap, we basically try to get a wing, a better version of, is that our next step? Basically. Yeah, I think so. Like, I feel like at this point, you kind of know from the front offices all season that like, they're like, you know what? I, I said it, I said it coming in season. I was like, it's Randall and RJ essentially playing for who's going to be in the team when the big trade happens. And at this point, Randall's playing himself into being a part of the team for the long haul. Uh, whether you're a fan of that or not, um, it's up to you. But at the same time, like it's going to be hard to trade the guy who's made two, two all-star teams and is right now your best player for a guy who may not even make one and does not look like your best player of the three. And when he's not playing, the sixth man is coming in, and he's basically got, got the lineup going without, um, without a hitch. So I kind of feel like at this point, you're looking at maybe, okay, what can we get for RJ Barrett? They tried it last year with Donovan Mitchell. They weren't comfortable making the trade, given the unprotected picks. I feel like now that you have a star and like another star-esque player, like, okay, would you say that Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are both top 40 players? right now yeah so at that point yeah so i think at this point sandra muted by the way i was coughing um but yeah i would say if they continue to play in the way they they are right now yeah yeah so like i think two having two top 40 players on the roster this year when last year they barely had a top 50 player um I think now the front office is more inclined to make that trade like if donovan mitchell was available this offseason i feel like it happens but last offseason, like, there were too many unknowns. Now it's, okay, we have Grimes. We know he fits in. We have IQ. We know he fits in. Brando's playing like a star. He's going to be at the all-star game. Mitchell Robinson is playing like an all-defensive caliber player. Like, now we have two-year sample sizes of guys. Brunson had a really good playoff run. It's basically extended out to the regular season for this year in a high-usage role. It really just kind of feels like you're looking for RJ Barrett to make that leap. And if he doesn't make that leap, then you can use him as, like, the basis of a trade because of the salary and you could probably save yourself some of the depth that you would normally have to trade out in a deal like that. Cause RJ Barrett carries a big cap hit now. I'm not sure though that, and I know you were just saying that name, but to go along with what we're saying, I'm not sure that Mitchell is the guy that like the front office wants, like in the sense of, I think they understand that Brunson needs a Grimes next to him. I think they want the a star on the wing and whether that's Jalen Brown, I think that, or whether it's RJ Barrett, like I think they're legitimately invested to see if RJ Barrett can make that leap. But I think if the time ever comes when they're like, okay, like either RJ Barrett, it, we're not sure he's going to make the leap or a star is legitimately available. I think they're going to go after someone to replace RJ at the three, because I think they really like the Brunson Grimes dynamic in the backcourt. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. 
That was, that's what the interview is about tonight. He's requesting a trade to the Knicks. I mean, they can't trade him this season, but next, this all season, this all season, don't sleep. Former agent Leon Rose, <laughs> worldwide West. This is an interesting stat from tonight. Um, shout out to Jonas Ben Khalifa. The Knicks plus minus was hilarious tonight. Quentin Grimes and JB were both minuses, while Fournier was a plus 23. Wow. I mean, I tweeted out today. I said, like, Fournier and Farnstein's minutes weren't, like, absolute killers for the most part. I think that had mainly to do with, like, IQ and Deuce, like, making things work. But, like, I think it also has to do with, like, the Raptors being, like, not be able to capitalize offensively on those two defensive, like, mishaps on the court. So it's, like, I think it's, like, a it's, like, a product of, like, the opponent as well as, like, you know, just some guys, some other guys on our team were able to keep the lineup afloat as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not just Fournier being plus 23, but like, if you look at the starting lineup, starting lineup plus minus is make me laugh because, you know, everybody is a negative except quickly who's plus nine. Oh, and Randall's plus two. But like, you know, I just think back to all the conversations that me and Sam and Tyrese, the three of us have had where people have been like, well, of course, Quickly's plus minuses are high. He comes off the bench as if it's just like it's automatic. You come off the bench, but no, he he opts in the starting lineup, and wouldn't you know it, he's just impactful again, like at the highest level. He's just an impactful player, and like I think Knicks fans are starting to get it. I think they're starting to figure out. Just I think all yeah, all they need to see was see him start and put up the same numbers that he does when he comes off the bench, and they're like, oh, he's doing it against starters now. He's good, yay! Like the light bulb finally goes off for you know the dense heads. Do you guys think we're going to reach a point this season where the games where where we keep playing well enough like and the games start mattering more for like high seeding, not having to deal with the plan, eventually hopefully playoff games. Do you guys think we're going to reach a point where Tibbs is just going to say screw it, I'm playing Brunson, Grimes and Quickly all 96 guard minutes? Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah, I, I think we're going to probably get pursued. There's probably going to be a trade before the trade deadline. Like I I think the 10 man rotation is going to come back into play soon because I, I think the front office is going to be like, yeah, we need a wing shooter because like, they need a wing shooter. Um, and I can absolutely see them going, okay, Deuce, thanks for the minutes. You're situational now. And we'll have you come in for like the end of quarters to play press defense. Um, yeah, I can absolutely see them going, okay. Two of Brunson Grimes and IQ on the floor at all times because that's basically the way you get IQ minutes. You let you make him take deuces. Yeah, because the thing is, is that th- there was that you know report today that came out that the Knicks are not interested in trading quickly anymore, um, which is good. We should all be happy about that. But we know how Tibbs rotates. We know that bench players are one shift per half players. If when RJ comes back, quickly reverts to getting. 18 to 22 minutes a game playing, you know, one nine minute shift per half. And then maybe that shift is up to 11 or 12 minutes or 13 minutes. If he's playing really well, I don't know if he's, if after this stretch as a starter, I don't know how you get him to buy into that again, in my opinion. I mean, he's already sacrificed and bought into this so much. I I don't know. That concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I, I really do think this is going to be a matter of, like, for quickly especially, it's, it's like, remember, this is the season to get paid. Um, he, He's extension eligible in the offseason. 
And I kind of feel like he's thinking to himself, I'm playing like a good starter in this league. Like, you have to give me the minutes to compensate. And Deuce, like, I, I think we all enjoy Deuce's defense, but at the same time, like, he isn't somebody who should be a long-term priority for the front office, just given the fact that they have so much draft capital and how easy it is to acquire talent and how easy it is for this front office themselves to acquire talent that it's hard for me to go, well, you have to keep Deuce's minutes in the rotation. Because I'm like, if you could just give 12 minutes to quickly more and take it from like 22 minutes to like 33, 34 minutes, then I think that's a win. I totally agree. I mean, as much as like, I want to see as many young guys in the rotation and on the court as possible. I mean, Deuce isn't playing like he played tonight every single night. So it's like, he's either hit or miss on offense. And like, like, like we've all said, we all admire the defense, but offensively, if he's not hitting shots like he did tonight, then it's like, it's very rough out there. Um, and you can, you can see his, he had multiple times tonight where he had the ball as an initiator and got two feet near the free throw line. And was just like, Oh God, like he, he has no confidence once he gets beyond the three point line. It is nice to see him hit shots and he was such a good, I mean, Tyrese, you can expand on this a little bit, but if I recall correctly, like he was a good finisher in college, like at, at getting into the paint. And he was, as the lead initiator, he was constantly getting to the rim, right? It was more like he got mini pull-ups whenever he wanted to. Um, him getting two feet in the paint was like a hit or miss thing, and he his finishing was hit or miss. But he basically had an automatic mini pull-up, and he shot 40% for three. So when you do those things, then like – you're seeing as like a decently um you're seeing a decent prospect plus his defense was just again hounding so it was a matter of like how good can his offensive game be but i think he just looks uncomfortable with the ball in his hands which is weird because i figured that would be his strength and playing off ball would be his would be the thing he needed to change but it just kind of feels like he's not confident with the ball in his hands because the handle's not there i think the burst is there the handle's not um and it just kind of feels like he's deferring to quickly in the half court a lot. Where like, also I think it's funny when people are like, "Oh, McBride's the point guard and quickly is the shooting guard." No, it, it, no, like, McBride, the other way around. Like McBride did nothing on the ball, literally nothing on the ball. Like the connected passing that McBride even had, like he's not even doing that anymore. He's literally just throwing it back to quickly and having him reinitiate sets. He might as well just be Jericho Sims with like, um, died here because the way he's playing offense is essentially like. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Right. What what you guys just said too though about us eventually reaching a point where, you know, where Grimes, Brunson and Quickly are the only three guards we're playing. It's why there's a ton of value in um emphasizing the versatility of players because if you create a shift or excuse me, a rotation where it's Brunson and Grimes start, quickly comes in for Grimes, uh, Grimes comes in for Brunson, and then Brunson eventually comes back in for quickly. You know, you have that little sort of, you're getting them all 15 minutes a half or something. Well, we're now seeing that Grimes can play the three because he's the starting small forward next to quickly right now, and he's more than holding his own as a small forward. Now, all of a sudden, Take that to the next step. Well, does it have to be Grimes is coming back in for quickly or Brunson's coming back in for quickly in the second quarter? What if RJ's struggling, but both quickly and Grimes have it going? Now, all of a sudden, we can close second halves with the three of them. 
you know, and that that is just the first domino to fall. Once you understand that positional diversity or versatility is a good thing, there are multiple dominoes to fall after that. What, like, and then what if we embrace RJ as a small ball four? Yeah. Okay. There can be a night when all four of Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, and RJ have it going, and Randall's struggling. We could close a half with the four of them plus Mitch. You know, and I, I I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying I know Randall's playing great. That wasn't meant to shade at him. I'm just saying that. Me say the three of us have been saying for almost 10 months now, the biggest strength of this team is its versatility. We have so many guys who can play multiple positions, and that has always been the most frustrating thing about Tibbs is he basically just says, Okay, I have two lineups that I like, I'm gonna play those two lineups. But like we should be seeing 20 line like different lineup combinations with all these guys getting to play with all these different combinations, and we're just now broaching like we're just now barely touching the surface and there's so such a high ceiling for as far as a rotation standpoint and i hope it keeps expanding like even tim said that he sees graphs as a four in some instances like he can play one to four. Oh, yeah like I mean, he, he was saying that about grimes earlier he was saying how quickly versatile as well like it's weird that a coach that basically talks about their versatility doesn't utilize their versatility like, why have we not seen a Deuce, IQ, Grimes, RJ, Randall lineup? Just for, like, a four-minute stretch. Just a four-minute stretch where, like, those guys could just, like, go and just switch everything, and the paint is open for Randall and RJ, and they could just, like, get trips to the line. Like, trips to the line and trips to the room. Dibs is king of talking about things that he likes, but never actually, like, doing it. Like, he used to talk about how he loved Emmanuel quickly so much and refused to start him. He's finally starting him this year, and wow, what a surprise. Emmanuel quickly is actually pretty damn good as a starter. Like, he's putting up, like, numbers that, like, his other peers that, you know, get opportunities, um, you know, put up like Tyler Hero and like Tyrese Maxey and Desmond Bain. Like he's bidding up similar numbers to them as a starter. Wow. What a shock. Who could have seen this coming? Oh, wait, every other smart Knicks fan, just like <laughs> us. It's like insane. But yeah, I mean, like it, 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 it all relates back to like all this lineup versatility that we've been talking about. It's going to be like, oh my gosh, look what Dibs has found. He's found gold. Like as soon as he does, as soon as he does it, like, like reporters and all that other media stuff, they're going to be like frothing at the mouth to like praise him for like discovering like this new, this new gold on, in the Knicks lineup that like fans have been calling for forever. The same thing. <laughs> once he did the lineup change this year, it was like, Oh my gosh, everyone's got to give Dibs credit. Like, no, no, just. The, the weirdest part about it too is, and Sam talked about this in March or something. When Tibbs likes something, he sees the positives. So like, and so like if, if I mean, uh, Tyrese, the lineup, you just said every other coach, we would have seen that lineup. We would have seen some version of that lineup of Randall at center with just like a bunch of small wings or wings and guards who can shoot um, and just see, just to see what would happen. But if you ask Tibbs about that, Tibbs would say, oh, well, I, you know, I value protecting the rim. And he would give, you know, not that those reasons don't have validity, but how come when it's Sims at power forward, he doesn't ever point out the flaw in that? Because that's not some perfect lineup. So why is the standard for an undersized lineup 
it has to be able to do every single thing. It has to be able to check every single box. But then with other lineups that are clearly flawed and clearly have limitations, it's just like, oh, well, they can protect the rim. So that's all that matters. It's like for the things he likes, he sees them for what they can do. And the things he doesn't like, all he sees is what they can't do. And it's very, very weird to me. Very old fashioned style of coaching. It's yep. just so weird that this team is being so mismanaged and they're still top 10 in every metric. Like, it's nuts. Like, the 2021 team, they were a garbage offense. We all knew it. It was a really bad offense. But the defense was fantastic, and you could credit Tibbs for having a defensive scheme. This team is almost as good as that team was defensively. The rating won't show it, but I feel like this team is more versatile defensively. I feel like they have better defenders, and I feel like, realistically... <laughs> Even though this game, the scheme hasn't changed that much, the scheme has changed enough to where like Randall switching more, Grimes is roaming more, IQ is like just improves as a defender to the point where like they're better defensively than over two years ago, and the offense has ticked up significantly as well. And they're firing on all cylinders essentially, but it still feels like there's more to go. It kind of feels like the team is like at fifty percent. Um, if you play any, if you play any video games, like this team could be a new game plus. It's just like they can have everything and they're still just kind of like vanilla. And I'm not like, I'm not, I don't know, we should blame Tibbs for it realistically. But like the fact that he's even gotten us to this point, it shows that A, the roster construction is very strong and B, it's still, it still can be so much better. So they, uh, they, they definitely have improved in some areas. Some of it's just effort. Like they're still doing the thing. Um, where the weak side corner defender hedges down to the, to the paint, you know, to cut off, to cut off rim drives. And then they have to recover. They've just gotten better at scrambling. One thing that I saw tonight that sort of uh, worried me a little bit is, have you guys noticed that when a guy dribbles from like the three point line and he goes to the middle, like he tries to penetrate that way, the guy on the other side always helps at the nail you know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah. the, other, the other perimeter defender will always sort of dig down and cut him off at the nail to stop him from getting at the paint. The Raptors really started expecting that and making the pass early to that shooter who the nail helper is helping off of. And they got a number of open three-point looks. That's like, I don't know, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more because I feel like that's another way for teams to exploit the Knicks overprotection of the paint and get more open three-point looks. Yeah, I just there's so much low hanging fruit. There's so much low hanging fruit in this team. Like, I remember that they started off poorly as well because they were like fighting for their lives in purgatory before the times change. And since then, they basically won what twelve and five. They've been twelve and five since then. So yeah. So yeah, like they they. Oh, did either of you guys hear this bar from Wally? Nothing like that deodorant that smells like winning. <laughs> wow. Wally was on. <laughs> well, I don't know what he was on, but he was on something that should not be licensed in the United States because he was saying some shit, <laughs> to put it lightly. He was just saying some shit. I. I don't know why they didn't. They stopped casting Han. Han was great. I liked Han. I, yeah, Han's much better than Wally. Yeah, I thought Han they took. Like, I took. I thought they. I thought they took Wally off because of the whole Tyrese Halliburton thing. I was like, oh, interesting. But no, they just wanted to try Han, I guess. I, I mean, like, and then they had the B team tonight. Can he even get us Ed Cohen, uh, Jeremy's cousin? 
Bye-bye. <laughs> Shout out to the front of the stream, Jerry. We should call it. But, like, yeah. Uh, Wally is not not my cup of tea. I don't think he's anybody's cup of tea. Um, all right. Let's see what other comments we have. All right, Jordan Bubb getting us into the next game versus the Bucks. What is that, Monday? Monday, yeah. Oh, so we got no weekend. Finally, no Saturday or Sunday games, yo. Oh, my gosh. It feels like every week the NBA has been plotting for, like, me to go into work on Monday with a Knicks loss on my mind. But thankfully, we don't have um, a game on Saturday or Sunday. So Monday versus the Bucks. Jordan Bub asks, well, how do we stop Giannis? Any suggestions? And um, how did the Knicks attack the Bucks defense? Uh, you don't stop Giannis, and you try to... I mean, the Hornets, I mean, you got to ask the Hornets what they did today, because, like, my God. I mean, if you what? look at that box score... What? Yeah, Tyrese, you didn't, you didn't Tyrese, see? The, the Hornets were up 84-60 to 60 at halftime. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Giannis finished with nine points after dropping, like, 40 in, like, five of the last, like, seven games or whatever it is, like... We gotta ask the Hornets whatever they did, and we gotta try and do that. <laughs> but with the with the with the with the with the Bucks, I know that their defense is like really like allowing like three pointers to be you know, I mean, Lamelo went seven for thirteen, PJ went five for ten, and Terry Rozier went six for fifteen. I think that tells you all you need to do against the Bucks because the Bucks will allow you to shoot as many three pointers as possible. It's just a matter of can you hit them. Um, the way Randall's been shooting the three ball, you hopefully you hopefully you expect him to continue this. Grimes, you know, some days he can be really aggressive with his shooting. Other days he cannot be. Today quickly was zero for three from three. You know, JB was three of six. So you know, you're just hoping that guys. Are able to hit their threes against the Bucks because I feel like that's going to be the great equalizer. That's always the great equalizer in basketball. But I feel like against the Bucks, that's like really key because they allow so many threes to be shot anyway. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's it's going to break down as you get. I mean, the three point shooting is going to matter. Julius Randle is going to matter because if Drew plays, Brunson's going to be in hell. Um, yes, that's going to be a rough matchup. There's, I, I know you guys don't really like him. Uh, I'm a big fan of watching Drew Holiday play basketball. I think he's one of the most talented talented defenders. I hate watching him play the other side yeah. of the basketball. Offensive Drew Holiday is a sin. Second option, Drew Holiday. Get him out of here. Ever since that Bucks run, ever since that Bucks run to the finals where he's straight up shot the bed against Brooklyn, I do not trust that man with the ball in his hands. Yeah. I don't care how good his stats he, look. He, he hit, like, some of the biggest shots that playoff run, though. He did, which was so weird. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, him like, and Chris Middleton, they were, like, shitting themselves for, like, whole games. And then fourth quarter comes, like, two minutes to go, and they're, like, magically hitting, like, every single impossible jumper, making every single defensive stop. It was the weirdest shit ever. It's just, it's just incredibly strange to me that, like, a team can win a title the way they did in terms of, you know, beating the Nets in, in, a, in a game seven on the road. I know Kyrie and Harden were hurt, but, like, they still had to win an overtime game on the road against Kevin Durant playing close to the peak of his powers. Um, and then beating a really good Suns team in the final. Like, that Suns team was really good, definitely good enough to win a championship. And 
people came away with it and were like, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure about Giannis and Drew Holiday, who was the second best player easily on championship team. Not sure about him either. That's just, I don't, I don't get that. Like on some level, if you're good enough to be the second best player on championship team, we shouldn't nitpick and we should just like appreciate that in my opinion. But you know, my opinion isn't all almighty. So I, I I have, I have lost money betting on draw. <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. So <laughs> he can get out of here. I but just, yeah. I just cannot trust you all of it. I, I, I can't trust him offensively. I really can't do it. And I mean, today kind of gave you like a little sneak preview in terms of like um, how the defensive attention is probably going to be on Brunson. I mean, six turnovers today. That was pretty rough. You can probably expect a similar output um, maybe against Drew Holiday, who's going to be way more aggressive than I think the, um, than the Raptors were defensively. Because I think the Raptors' defense was mainly focused on Randall, and even then he still was able to get his shit off. Yeah. But I think um, with – I mean, we saw last time we played the Bucks, it was rough for JB. I mean, between Javon Carter and Drew Holiday, they really made it hard on him. Yeah. Um, so, those yeah. are two guys that pester the shit out of him, so – Quickly, if he starts, will be important because he's going to get that Grayson Allen assignment. Um, he's got to cook that. Like he, we need him to be even better than he's been recently. And if he, if RJ is back, we need then we need RJ to be the guy like immediately. Um, so whoever starts next to, you know, in that in that spot, um, they're going to be important. Um, I want to, Sam, you just remind me of one thing I, I wanted to, I wanted to rant about a little bit mm. we need to stop the unnecessary double teams. That's going to drive me insane the rest of the season, just because Scotty Barnes has Jalen Brunson in the post. You don't have to like, okay, Scotty Barnes is going to shoot a fadeaway eight footer. If he beats you, if he beats you with a million eight footers, just let him do that. You know, like we don't need to double off him and then leave a three point shooter open. It's just. It's nonsensical. There can't be another team that doubles earlier and more unnecessarily than the Knicks do. We had one um, where Randall went and helped Brunson in the corner, led to a wide open dunk underneath. And it's just, I get the principle and I get what Tibbs is trying to do, but we don't need to do it as early and often as we do it. It's incredibly frustrating and I can't, I can't stop seeing it. I can't stand it. We just have to stop it. <laughs> it just shows like lack of like, Lack of discipline, but like lack of like trust that like that the guy is gonna be able to like hold his own for that one possession. It's not like you're like constantly in a mismatch situation where you need to do that. And like you said, like Scotty Barnes, I will more than happily let him take whatever fadeaway jumper he wants to take. Like that should be part of your defensive game plan of like knowing who exactly to double and when. Like Scotty Barnes, I'm letting him shoot as many fadeaways over Jalen Brunson or whoever as much as he wants. Like Thank you. That is like turnovers, basically. Like the first time Scotty Barnes uses his size on Jalen Brunson and like gets a layup because there wasn't a double. Okay, start sending doubles then. The first time he does it, like just let him prove that that is a matchup worth doubling. And yeah. like I'm pretty sure when Grimes had him in the post, we were sending doubles. And it's like it's like Tibbs yeah. is like it's like he's trying to create a culture of like. um effort and so he's like okay if i send a double people will start scrambling they're gonna do it or they're not gonna play and i get that but it's at the same time it's like you have to understand the analytics of the situation understand shot expectation 
Scotty Barnes from 15 feet, he's not going to score at a higher rate than an open three point shooter. And it just, it just doesn't make sense. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) Um, all right. So we have Jordan Bob. He says, although shooting 69% from free throw is a nice number. That's a very nice number. Um, in these close games that Knicks will likely be in for the future, if we can't capitalize on the line, we're going to lose big games in the regular season and postseason. Yeah, the free throw shooting is still a little bit of a concern. Um, more so in the postseason, like that is when like the butts they get clenched, the balls they feel heavier, like it is going to be. I'm just, you know, thinking about our guys, if they can handle that. Um, hopefully, you know, these regular season trials, trials by fires can, you know, get these guys prepared for those regular, those postseason moments. But, yeah, the free throw shooting is 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 very key. Yeah, we, we just leave a lot of so – somebody posted that chart on Twitter the other day of, like, shot quality and shot expectation – and like the Knicks are like near the best in the league in terms of shot quality. But then, so it was like, you know, it was like a, a graph like that. And so the Knicks were way to the right in terms of shot expectation or shot quality or whatever. And then they were way at the bottom in terms of how they're making the shots. And it's like, we leave a lot of points on the board in terms of shots we miss and free throws we miss. It's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Also, real quick, I don't think we talked about this. Um, I don't know if I was here for it. OG Anobi did nothing tonight. Yeah, he was a ghost. And OG like Anobi Wally, Wally was on the broadcast, like saying, like he's like near, he's like, all, he's like fringe all star. I was like, Wally, let's. I mean, he, he is, but at the same time, like he's winning Defensive Player of the Year. Him or Jared Dustin Jr. are winning Defensive Player of the Year, and Julius Randle made him look pedestrian. So well, you, meant, you, was like, you meant defensively then? Terry. Yeah, def- defensively. It's like his his. I mean, the Raptors won his minutes. He was plus five. He had thirteen, nine, two, and three steals. Like I just didn't feel him. Like yeah, like, yeah. He didn't. I, yeah, I was like, oh, I like there were points in the game. I was like, oh shit, OG and Obi's playing. Like, like yeah. oh shit, I didn't like realize he was on the court because like he was like so quiet. Um, but I think like it's like mainly because like guys like. Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trump were hitting like the most BS yeah. shots ever to end the game. So it was just like that banked in three for Fred Van Vliet made no oh sense. My God. That is when I was like, all right, there, here comes the BS. Here yeah. comes the BS. I hate, but, here comes uh, the devil magic. Here I've, comes. I've seen some people like, I think we, I think we all expect the Raptors to like make some trades at some point. I've seen some people like float out the idea of like getting OG Ananobi. And my retort to that is as much as I love OG Ananobi, what is he doing on this team? Like for the price that he will also cost. like yeah exactly I was about to bring up the price like there I've seen like superstar trade packages for OG and Nobi and um thank you Minnesota Timberwolves for absolutely ruining like the like expectation of trades now in people's heads like to the to the point where they think OG and Nobi is like worth like I don't know however many first round picks unprotected like like please do bad things to. Like, I, you know what? I'm not even gonna complete that allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of think at this point the the expectation is like the bidding war is gonna be so massive for Ria Nobi 
that like he's gonna get those picks. But like, who's really trading for OG and Anobi unless you're like trying to get over the hump? The, the Blazers will. The Blazers are a bad team that would trade for him. They need problem, is, problem is like the Blazers don't have the picks to do it, and you're probably giving up. Like they had the protected pick that they gave up to get um. Jared, was it Jeremy Grant? It might have been Jeremy Grant. Grant, yeah. Yeah, I think it was or no, Josh Hart. Jo- it was somebody. I, they traded their pick for somebody. Um, and subsequently, they have Jeremy Grant on the roster. So like, I I don't know where they like. I, who's trading for OG and Anobi, putting them over the hump? Like, Dallas won't do that because Dallas wants like someone like Levine because they need a second. Man. They need they need a second star. But like, OG, OG is like per, in, in Luca's current form, they don't need a second star because Luca can carry an insane usage. And like he's in the early LeBron stage where he's gonna suppress another star, another initiator, because he soaks up all the usage, all the initiation possessions. OG is like the perfect player to play with Luca in terms of like all world defender he can shoot threes and like he can bring you value at an almost elite level without really touching the ball but he can put the floor ball on the floor when asked to do it i, I mean i actually I, think dallas I, is an interesting team i, I don't like him putting the ball on the floor for my whole point like i don't think he's that good at it i just meant like attacking closeouts and stuff not like pure initiation. I, I think like at that point you probably want to see Occam then i feel like siaka would fit that roster a ton I mean, Siakam would fit, like, the Phoenix Suns, too. The Suns probably trade for Siakam. Um, but... I mean, Siakam would fit most rosters, though. He's yeah. Suns want to trade for any power forward that can score, like, 15 points per game at this point. Like, they could have had Julius. They could have had Julius. Uh, spe- speaking of Julius, I got, I got something for Tyrese to be really annoying. My brother just sent me this. ESPN's real plus-minus rankings. Number one, Luka Doncic. Number two, ah. number two, Jason Tatum. Number three, Nikola Jokic. Number four, Julius Randle in the entire NBA. Oh my God. Also, in the last month, Julius Randle at least the NBA in total points. <laughs> Him and Luca are tied for number one in total points. I saw on uh on uh the Macri post game a few nights ago. He also leads the NBA in three-point attempts, attempts, like, over the last month or something. That's yep. crazy. Like, for somebody who's 6'9", on a power forward, who really made his name playing bully ball to, like, have the trigger. And I remember I was talking about, like, he doesn't pull as many threes because he turns them into long twos. He's essentially limited the long two from his shot night, turn them all into threes, and he's still shooting 35% on that volume. And that's the thing. Like we 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 probably haven't praised Randall enough. And I'm being serious. I don't think we praised Randall enough on this post game. The big difference between what he did two years ago and what he's doing now is how he's getting his output. Because none of his shooting percentages are like jumping out at you as like, oh, he can't sustain this. He's shooting bare below 35% from three. It's like 34.9 percent. It's 34. It's 35% now. Okay, and yet his his true shooting percentage is almost sixty percent because he's shooting all threes or inside ten feet or free throws. That's all he shoots now. Like those those ten to twenty footers. I mean, yeah, you see him every now and then, especially down the stretch, but they're pretty much gone. And credit to Julius and credit to Tibbs. Like we we all like to hate on Tibbs, but like 
it's not like Randall went out and like decided to do this himself. There was there was a plan in motion here, and somebody somebody presumably said to Randall like, "You have to shoot from smarter spots. Here are the spots we want you shooting from." And so kudos to both of them because you know Tibbs for giving him the game plan and Randall for embracing it and doing as well as he has with it. Proved me wrong for sure. Like he's shooting sixty percent from like the free throw line floater essentially which is nuts to think about. And like the little, like the two years ago, like the baseline fade, he basically doesn't take those anymore. Like the spinning baseline fade that he basically was cashing in from the left side and like missing from the right side. He's essentially turned into an ad rip attempt or he's like taken a couple steps back and just made it threes. So like his shot diet has been good. The above the break three has been working. Um, I still feel like he has another, like, good hot streak in him where he just goes crazy for a couple games. And, like, I think he gets closer to, like, 36, 37%. But, yeah, he's just – I think before this year, he basically had, like, eight games, I think, where he took more than 10 threes. And now in this season alone, he's essentially taking, like, 10 threes. Like, him taking 10 threes isn't weird anymore. So yeah, Tyrese, I uh, I have an article coming out for Strickland on Obi um, soon, hopefully. Um, and here I I basically present the different avenues that we can go with Obi. You know, like we could trade Julius, we could trade Obi, or we could keep them both. And under the trade Julius standpoint, which I come to the conclusion that we're not and we should not trade Julius, um, I say. Randall took a whopping 47% of his shots between five feet and the three-point line in the We Here season. So almost half of his shots basically were mid-range shots. Um, That number is down to 27%. So he's almost cut them in half. And 44% of his shots are threes this year. So he's shooting, which leaves 30% at the rim. So he's cut mid-range attempts in half, and now he's shooting almost three quarters of his shots either at the rim or from beyond the three point line. And there's a lot of volatility in whether shots go in or not, as we've seen from Julius Randall's last two full seasons. But what there isn't volatility with is if your shot selection is smart, you can control how you shoot or excuse me, where you shoot from. And Randall, if, if he is committed to this style of play, he will be a sustainably very good offensive player for the next five years, at least, in my opinion. He's going to make that contract look like a bargain. Like, it's going to be, like, I don't think people realize it's a 4-106 base. So if he makes the All-Star team, if it's 4-117, he's made the All-Star team four years in a row, and the team has made the playoffs four years in a row. That contract looks like a steal. Because, like, you look at Zach Levine making 35% of the cap. Let's 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 not get carried away with four All Star appearances in a row, Tyrese. Take no, your, I'm, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm now, saying no. I'm saying like if he makes if the if he reaches the max value of the contract, yeah, it'll be four it'll be four one seventeen, and that means he's made the All Star team four years in a row, and they made the playoffs four years in a row. I don't know if he makes the All Star team four years in a row, but then again, like, eh, but. I think he was gonna make it this year. Four and years in a row. I think wow. he was gonna make. I think he was gonna make it this year, and he, he proved me wrong. And if he's gonna keep playing like this, well then, T- Tyrese, you know it's gonna be fun. The pod when Randall makes his fifth All Star game in six seasons, and Sam's like, "All right, I was wrong." <laughs> like that's 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 when Sam comes to terms with like, "All right, all right, <laughs> I, I, dude." 
Oh my god! At that point, he's the greatest Nick. He's the greatest Nick of all time. But anyway, <laughs> wow, <laughs> Sam's so annoying. <laughs> wow, who's Bernard King? I don't know. Wow, Patrick Ewing couldn't do this. Not in this era. He's better. He's better than Chris Bosh all the time. Give me a break. <laughs> all right, let's start another civil war. Let's start another war with Raptors Twitter. You know, Raptors Twitter going oh. to war with Chris Bosh still. Yeah, Raptors Twitter hates Bosh. Exactly. Not what I saw when that the, that comment was brought brought up last. Really? Time. Either oh. them or. NBA Twitter was just pissed that like yeah I, th- I think it was NBA and... Twitter which is really upset in general but they're always upset so whatever true also let's laugh at the Hawks really quickly they're down twenty one to the Lakers so wow all right Lakers have kind of I mean they'll probably end up blowing it because I said this but they've kind of yeah they will take Le- Hawks Le- money line live Le- LeBron is LeBron is playing and showcasing himself for New York so that's all that matters. <laughs> Virgil X action acts an interesting question. If we saw this from IQ last season, I guess like the starting role and like him producing in the starting role, would Brunson still have happened? Yes. That was two years of tampering. They're not the Brunson was gonna happen. Like there was no downside to not like to not sign him. I think that first of all, I, I sort of take issue with the idea that we didn't see this from quickly. Because if we weren't seeing this, if we weren't seeing this IQ, there wouldn't have been so many people like the three of us who every post game were like, quickly needs to play more, quickly needs to play more. Like we weren't just making that up. It was just so yes, he's improved. Um specifically he's improved from like zero to ten feet. But I I feel very strongly about the fact that we did see this quickly last season and he should have started and he should have been able to create a meaningful do we need a point guard or do we just roll with quickly conversation he wasn't allowed to do that i'm really happy we have brunson so whatever i mean i guess it worked out and i agree with tyrese that we would have gotten brunson anyway because of the leon rose connection mm. okay fair 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 um mental f ask or well, well he asked but yeah um it baffles me that people need people needed to these last However many starts to see how impactful IQ is, how do you think his minutes will look when RJ is back? I hope they at least are in the high 20s, if not 30s, but I expect them to be around 24 to 28. Okay. I mean, I'm okay with him playing like 28 minutes a night, so. 28 would be fine. I If... if... I would sign for 28 right now on the dotted line. I think yeah. it's, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be more in the 20 to 24 range. Which is, nah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Because at that point, like, you're going to start hearing leaks. I mean, that, how, how many games, I don't have the schedule up. How many games ago was that Sixers Christmas Eve game? Was it, what was it, like 10 games ago, probably? 10? 8, eight, eight, 10 games ago? Sixers Christmas game? Yeah, that was like eight games ago, right? A couple, not sure. So we, won, um, we lost five in a row, and the Sixers game was the third game in that losing streak. So that would be three. So that would be a Sixers game, then two more losses, and then now we've won four games in a row. So it was six games ago. Yeah. So we're only six games removed from, and I'm thinking about this because it popped up on Twitter today. Some random non Knicks fan 
posted a video of quickly playing an amazing defensive possession and said, boy, I love watching Emmanuel quickly play defense. It was in that Sixers game. And my first thought was because Sam tweeted about it when the game happened. He said, I remember your tweet, Sam. You were like, how the hell do you take Emmanuel quickly out after what just happened? He pulled him with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And wouldn't you know it, it was immediately after that 24-second shot clock violation the Knicks forced. Tibbs was like, oh, got to get quickly out of there. Got to get Grimes back in. Quickly was better than Grimes that game and quickly played 22 minutes, including not playing a single minute in the last eight minutes until maybe there was an injury. Maybe Brunson got hurt. Brunson got hurt. And then that's when quickly came back in or else he was going to finish the game with like, what, 21 minutes played or something like that? No less. He was going to be like 18. It would have been, yeah, because he played the last four minutes. So yeah, he would have, he he had 18 minutes played when he checked out and he wasn't going to play another minute unless Brunson got hurt. That was six games ago. So I just, I get quickly has been good. We all love quickly. Tibbs is just going to have to prove to us that he can play quickly 28 minutes off the bench before I believe that it's going to happen. I think that he likes his rotations. He likes overtaxing the starters. He believes in that. And I think that I'm worried that quickly is going to go back to 18 to 22 minutes a night when he's not starting. Sadly. Um, So back to the Bucks, Andrew Claudio of Knicks Film School. Shout out to him for pulling up. Um, he says Bucks are low key beatable. Started nine and 16 and fourteen cents. Keep up the great work, fellas. Thank you, um, Andrew. Um, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks. They always seem to have our number. Like some opponents. Like no matter how bad the team is at the moment. Like even when the Nets were like in the midst of their spiral. Like they still like beat the shit out of us. Like so. Like I just like some opponents. I just don't trust us to beat them no matter like how beatable they seem but um you know i mean we'll see it depends on who's playing for the bucks that night too cuz the bucks they have a weird thing where like some nights they'll like they'll rest dudes like sometimes giannis will be out with like a knee injury it's like really just rest for him so we'll see who plays um it's going to be an msg so i assume giannis will want to play um but yeah i mean I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little crazy here, Sam. Right. Not only do I think that the Knicks can beat the Bucks, and the last two seasons we've had a couple of really nice games against the Bucks. The one, the huge comeback at Milwaukee, and then the game at the start of the We Here season when Elf and Frank each hit five threes when we just blitzed the Bucks. That was a stupid game. I think if I was creating, I'm curious to th- hear what you guys think about this. I think if I was creating tiers of teams I want to see in the playoffs, let's say we're the sixth seed. Teams mm-hmm. I want to be the three seed. I think the Bucks would be in the top tier. I think the Bucks and Cleveland would be the two teams I'd want to play the most. Yeah. And then, and then the Celtics and Nets would be the two teams I'd want to play the least. Yeah. I probably lean more towards the Cavs. Um, I just like our matchup against them better. Um, I just think Giannis is just going to like absolutely – beat our skulls and like once it turns into playoffs i feel like Giannis just like turns into like a different like animal i mean he's already been beasting in the regular season this year but like he's someone i just don't want to see in the postseason yeah Um, there's definitely an outcome where we just get blitzed because they hit a bunch of threes but going back to what i was saying earlier in the show i just kind of trust tibbs to create a defensive scheme that'll at least make Giannis work for his production. He'll build a wall and trust our ability to scramble. And 
I'm not saying we're going to shut Giannis down. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't believe in that. I think Giannis would get his. But if you have to choose, I actually think that we have a better chance of relatively stopping Giannis because he's a slightly more exploitable offensive player than we do of stopping Durant or Tatum. I just don't think we have any chance of stopping Durant or Tatum. And so I agree with you about the Cavs. I think the Cavs would be number one team I'd want to play. I think that would be really interesting just because of the, we almost got Mitchell, didn't get him that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It also has the potential to be very unbearable because you know, that subset of Knicks fans is just waiting to talk about how, Oh, see, I told you you should have traded for him. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't, they could, they couldn't wait. I mean, the other day when he dropped 71, they're all like wiping their tears on the timeline of like, we didn't get those Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I'm going to cause bodily harm to myself. (laughs) Like they're still ridiculous. It's like, get a grip. Like I was able to watch the performance without having any tears in my eyes. I was able to just enjoy good basketball. You know, a lot of Knicks fans should like try that. Like we have a good team going and you know, the Cavs have something good going and you know, both can exist. It's a very disingenuous thing too, because they're like, they're acting like we would be this team and then add Donovan Mitchell to it. But yeah, no, it's like, no, we'd be gutting of, like half of this roster to like get him. Exactly. A lot gutting of the, half the rotation that's actually like producing right now. Exactly. Yep. Oh, well, you know, some fans, you know, they just like to be yeah, miserable. Yeah. Yep. Um, I say thanks for the is, comment, Andrew. You guys yes. do great work too. Yes, thank you. Um, I say, I say, I say the, the miserable comment as like someone who used to do this post game, like on the verge of like wanting to end it all, but allegedly, um, allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> th- there was this, there was this one game last year where like I was totally like defeated. I don't remember which game it was. I think it was like a Nets game, maybe. It was it one of the games be, where it, it was like... The, it had to be the Nets game when we were up 29. No KD, no Kyrie, no Simmons. And we yeah, I think it was. Lead. I think it was, but yeah. I mean, I, that was a rightful like reason to be miserable. Not like, oh my gosh, like this guy that we should have traded for just like went off against like this total other team. Not even against us. Because like people were taking... People were talking about the Donovan Mitchell thing, like he scored the 71 versus us. You know, he beat the shit out of the Bulls. We should all be like rejoicing because like F the Bulls and their fans because they were talking hella cash shit last year. But um, yeah. Um, all right. I think this is a good place to end where we really get off the deep end. Um, myself included. Um, I think the cough medicine is getting to me. um but yeah we'll be back on um monday night after the knicks play the bucks hopefully we get another win extend this winning streak you know let's get another win streak rolling let's get the vibes back up in the in the fan base um facing the bucks uh make sure you guys like and subscribe we're on our way to 1k sub so you know all that you do helps us out a ton shout out to everyone that left a comment tons of comments tonight um we weren't able to get to all of them but we know we had a pretty great discussion about the Knicks um, going forward and, you know, how they can approach this season. Um, we appreciate all of you for tuning in, you know, helps us out a ton with growing the channel. Um, check out everything Stricken related in the description. If you haven't already links to the Patreon merch, Twitter and merch, Sam new. This is the new Strickland mellow, mellow sweatshirt. Oh, three to the dome? 
Yeah, such a sick, such a sick hoodie. This is, dude, if you're going to buy a hoodie and you're a Nick fan, and like, even if you don't want to, you know, this isn't like obvious it's Strickland. If you're, you know, if you just want sick Nick's gear, this is like, you're just supporting Mellow, man. Like, you know, like this is. Yep. If you're a Mellow a- fan, right there for you. But yep, we got links to the merch. We got links to the site, Twitter, and Patreon. All great ways to support us. Um, we will catch you guys on Monday. Peace out. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.